Chapter Three of Giacomo Puccini by Wakeling Dry. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Puccini of Yesterday and Today. Puccini, after the death of his beloved mother, sought consolation in hard work, and Edgar was written in Milan during a period which was in like manner experienced by Wagner of additional anxiety brought about by the want of the actual means to live but it is undoubtedly that out of such trials and troubles the best work of the brain is forged and brought to an achievement puccini was living at this time in a poor quarter of milan with his brother and another student with the eighty lire he received for le Vili, he paid away nearly half of it to the restaurant-keeper who had allowed him credit milan the chief operatic centre of opera-loving italy is full of music schools agencies restaurants and cafes whose reason for existence practically is found in the fact that half the population is in one way or another connected with the operatic stage milan is even more bohemian than paris in this respect and it is not difficult to understand why the subject of unconventionality as treated by puccini and la bohème should have come to him with such force he had in fact gone through the whole thing completely so far as living on nothing and making all sorts of shifts for existence were concerned milan's social atmosphere is almost completely that of theatrical bohemianism and all of the students come very intimately into contact with its essence and spirit there are many little stories of puccini in his early days which after all only represent the common lot of many a struggling genius the wide world over he and his companions at the time edgar was in the process of making rented one little top room in the via solferino for which according to puccini's friend eugenio cecchi who has recorded the history of these early days they paid twenty-four shillings a month puccini kept a diary which he called bohemian life in eighteen eighty one it was little more than a register of expenses coffee bread tobacco and milk appear to be the chief entries and there is an entire absence of anything more substantial in the way of food in one place there was a herring put down and on this being brought to puccini's recollection he laughingly said oh yes i remember that was a supper for four people as will be seen in the chapter on la bohème this incident was made use of by the librettists in the third act of that opera from the congregation of charity at rome puccini was in receipt at this time of four lire per month the sum used to come in a registered letter on a certain day and he and his companions usually had to suffer the landlord to open it and deduct first his share for the rent many were the scenes they had with this worthy possessor of real estate he had forbidden them to cook in the room and even with the marvellously cheap restaurants where at least the one national dish of spaghetti could be indulged in for the merest trifle our group of young strugglers found it even cheaper to do their cooking at home as the hour of a meal drew near the landlord used to go into the next room or prowl about the landing to listen and to smell the usual stratagem was to place the spirit lamp on the table and over it a dish in which to cook eggs when the frizzling began the others would call out to puccini to play like the very devil and going over to the piano he would start on some wild strains which stopped when the modest omelette two eggs between three was ready to turn out the material for firing was another source of expense 
their modest order did not warrant the coal merchant sending up five flights of stairs to deliver it in whatever receptacle took the place of the usual cellar so michael puccini the brother used to dress up in his best clothes including a valuable relic in the shape of a pot hat and take with him a black bag the others said good-bye bon voyage with some effusion on the doorstep to let the neighbors imagine he was going away for a visit and off michael would go to return in the dusk with the bag full of coal there is something infinitely pathetic in recording that puccini when fortune smiled upon him wrote to this brother in great glee to tell him of the success of manon and to say that he was able to buy the house in lucca where they were born but michael who had departed to south america to mend his own fortunes was then lying dead of yellow fever to which he had succumbed after three days illness edgar being completed the work brought him in about six times the amount he had obtained for levili while with manon which followed his position became practically assured for the future always of a shy retiring disposition he had often longed to get away from the cramped conditions of town life and torre del lago on a secluded lake not far from lucca lying in beautiful country surrounded by woods and connected by canals with the sea into which it flows just by the spot where shelley's body was washed ashore and afterwards burned was an ideal spot to which his thoughts had often turned he went there to reside first in eighteen ninety one about the time he was writing la boheme but some time before that he had found a partner of his joys in elvira bonturi who like himself came from lucca and whom he married their only son antonio was born in the december of eighteen eighty six it was not until nineteen hundred that puccini built the delightful villa at torre del lago to which he is so devotedly attached and to which he always refers as a paradise before finally deciding on a site at torre del lago the tower of the lake puccini stayed for a time at castellaccio near pescia where a good deal of la boheme was put to paper tosca was begun at torre del lago and finished during a visit at the country house Monsegrati, not far from lucca of his friend the marquis mansi at the time of madama butterfly he was back at torre del lago to which he was taken after his motor accident but he was at this time the possessor of another country villa at abatone in the tuscan apennines and in this latter place a good deal of his latest opera was set down he has more recently built yet another country villa on the opposite side of the lake to torre del lago on the chiatri hill it is a charming example of the florentine style of architecture in which brick and marble are most skilfully blended but puccini told me when i last saw him that so far he had only spent a weekend in it puccini who was always addicted to sport in an open-air life went in for motoring in the year nineteen o one his accident by which he broke his leg and suffered a great deal of pain and anxiety owing to the difficulty of the uniting of the bone took place in the february of nineteen o three he had left his beloved torre del lago and gone into lucca for a change of air and place owing to a bad cold and sore throat from which he could not get free one of puccini's characteristics is a certain obstinacy which very often leads him to do things in direct opposition to anything like a command the fact that his doctor had told him not to go out in his car at night was sufficient of course for mr james puccini is invariably addressed by those round him as sor giacomo to decide on a little evening trip 
and he and his wife and son with the chauffeur started off in the country about five miles from lucca there is a little place called vignola where there is a sharp turn in the road by a bridge going at full speed this was not noticed in the dark and as the car turned it went over an embankment and fell nearly thirty feet into a field madame puccini and antonio were unhurt but the chauffeur had a fractured thigh and puccini a fractured leg unfortunately puccini was pinned under the car stunned and bruised by the fall and moreover suffered considerably from the fumes of the petrol a doctor luckily was staying at a cottage nearby and he was able to render first aid afterwards another doctor was sent for from lucca and it was decided to make a litter and carry puccini to torre del lago by boat as owing to the inflammation the leg was not able to be set immediately puccini's great friend marquis ginori went with him on the boat and although in great pain the invalid found himself regretting that on the journey so many wild duck flew within range just at the time as he laughingly remarked he could not shoot them three days after his arrival home Corsi, a famous specialist from florence came and set the leg the actual uniting of the bone was a long and tedious process which spread over eight months and puccini was not really able to walk again properly until he had been to paris where his tosca was produced at the opera comique and had undergone a special treatment at the hands of a french specialist his first visit to paris had been in eighteen ninety eight for the rehearsals of la bohème puccini visited london for the first time when he came over for the production of manon at covent garden in eighteen ninety four he came again in eighteen ninety seven for the production in english of la bohème at manchester by the carl rosa company this was not by all accounts one of his most pleasant visits to a country of which he is very fond apart from the nervous worry of a first performance of a brand new work in a strange language there were difficulties which made it a peculiarly trying time for the composer robert cunningham the rodolfo was unfortunately seized with a fearful cold which made him practically speechless on the night of the performance and he could do no more than whisper his part all things considered it is not to be wondered at that puccini after spending nearly three weeks in rehearsal decided to keep away from the theatre on the eventful night he has himself written down his impressions of manchester as well as those of london and paris manchester land of the smoke cold fog rain and cotton london has six million inhabitants a movement which it is impossible to describe as the languages to acquire a city of splendid women beautiful amusements and altogether fascinating in paris the gay city there is less traffic than in london but life there flies my chief friends were zola sardou and daudet it was when puccini was in paris for the production of la bohème that he first met sardou and arranged about the setting of la tosca sardou invited him to dinner and after the coffee and cigars asked him to play a little of the music he thought of putting in the new opera sardou's knowledge of music by the way has to say the least of it its limitations and puccini is very loath to play anything he may have in his mind in the way of a composition puccini sat down at the piano however and played a good deal which sardou liked immensely 
but sardou did not know that the composer was merely stringing together all sorts of odd airs out of his previous operas puccini's days at his beloved torre del lago are divided between sport and work the beginning of his house by the way was a keeper's lodge a mere hut on the edge of the wood it is so white that in the distance it looks like marble but as a building it is quite unpretentious there is a little garden leading down to the lake while at the back stretches the fine open country he is usually up and away early in the morning accompanied by his two favorite dogs lia and scarpia he goes to and fro from his chutes in his motor-boat butterfly the place abounds with wild duck wild swans and all sorts of waterfowl the principal quarry from the sportsman's point of view being coots hares and wild boar puccini has been frequently snowed up while away shooting as late as april to the south of the lake in the plain are some remains of a bath attributed to nero with undoubted traces of a roman road and a fosse one can hardly move a yard in italy without coming across villas of lucullus roads of hannibal or fields of cataline but this particular place not only from the traces of buildings which remain but from the result of excavation by which many roman remains were brought to light is of great antiquity coming in from a chute puccini often allows the best part of the day to pass in more or less what seems like idleness preferring to put down his music at night the one relic one may say of his old wayward restless ways he works chiefly on the ground floor of his house at torre del lago in a spacious apartment which is sort of a dining-room study and music-room all in one the ceiling is crossed with large wooden beams and he calls the venetian blinds which are outside the many and large windows mutes for the sun using the word of course in its sense of a device for softening the tone of a musical instrument the walls of the room are decorated with some quick impulsive designs dashed on by his friend the artist nomellini representing the flight of the hours from dawn to night for the rest the room is full of photographs of all sorts of distinguished people from verdi downwards and stuffed birds when the desire for work is upon puccini it catches him as an italian would say by the scalp and he works at a thing continuously during the recovery from his motor accident he was wheeled to the piano every day and planned out madama butterfly although the actual writing down of the melodies and the general work of construction was done of course away from the instrument he makes a rough sketch of the whole score as a rule which he subjects to all sorts of weird alterations only intelligible to himself and from this makes a clean copy embodying all the process of polishing and finishing to which the original idea was subjected it is difficult to get from puccini any particulars of his ideas and aims he much prefers to do things rather than to talk about them he has on one or two occasions however given a hint of his views which may be worth putting down again one is on the interesting question as to dramatic interest in music puccini maintains that it is a question not of instinct but experience he says himself that his early works were lacking in dramatic quality but he does not agree that if it is not inborn it cannot be developed he maintains that the choice of librettos has more to do with it than anything else and from the first 
he has worked a good deal in this way by more than the usual amount of consultation and exchange of ideas that goes on between a composer and the writer of the book marie antoinette at the time when i had the pleasure of talking with him was the subject for an opera which was at least uppermost in his mind but i have thought of many subjects and stories he said la faute de l'abbe moret and the tatanin of daudet are two well-known ones the latter is pure fun but i have always thought when coming to the point that i should be accused if i said it of copying verdi's falstaff the former i believe zola promised to massenet i have also thought of trilby and several excellent themes for plots could be gathered from the stories of the later roman emperors one statement at least was very characteristic of puccini my next plot must be one of sentiment to allow me to work in my own way i am determined not to go beyond the place in art where i find myself at home puccini is very fond of the theatre and when last in london enjoyed the production of oliver twist he is specially fond in our literature of dickens and the tempest End of chapter three